There comes a point when the right to vote requires a fight to vote. MSNBC Films presents Battleground Georgia, a story that explores the ugly history of voter suppression and how Georgia is leading the charge against it. Something has to change. The old South is being replaced by the new South. Battleground Georgia, part of the Turning Point documentary series from executive producer Trevor Noah. Sunday, May 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC. Tonight on The Readout. You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. Tonight on The Readout, yes, American women are facing a real-life handmaid's tale. Overturning Roe wasn't enough for Republicans. Now some on the right are coming after in vitro fertilization, even birth control. Also tonight, as President Biden announces 500 new sanctions against Russia following the death of Alexei Navalny, Republicans are pushing even harder to abandon Ukraine. Plus, does Nikki Haley realistically have any chance of winning the Republican nomination if she's unable to win her home state of South Carolina in tomorrow's primary? We'll discuss in tonight's Friday Politics Block. But first, we begin tonight with a frightening question. What if the next presidential election is already decided? What if the MAGA Republican-led House of Representatives decided to just steal the election on their own? We talk about democracy under threat a lot on this show because it is very much under threat. But we need to talk about, like, how real that threat is with someone like Speaker Mike Johnson at the helm. It's all outlined in a new op-ed by Tom Rogers, editor-at-large for Newsweek, who makes the case that the ability to manipulate an election outcome is far greater now than ever before. Rogers writes that the potential overturning of the upcoming 2024 election is even more plausible and dangerous than it was in 2020, because the Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, is not only an election denier, but also a ringleader of the previous effort. Rogers quotes from a recent article published in The Washington Spectator, written by political veterans Mark Medish and Joel McCleary. The piece states that next to the election of the president, nothing is more important than the election of the new speaker, writing, quote, the party controlling the speakership has the potential power to reverse the results of the presidential election and deliver the White House to itself. The piece outlines exactly how and why this should terrify Americans. In this dangerous scenario, the current election-denying Republican majority in the days following the November elections might decide that they are going to challenge the results of certain House races that Democrats won, just because, because they don't like the results. They don't like how the American people voted. Democracy be damned. And then, per this scenario, the current Republican majority could deny certification of enough Democratic election winners to preserve the Republican majority in the Congress. Once the Republicans have effectively stolen the House majority and elected a speaker, the next step in an election denial process would be to refuse to certify the Electoral College results of certain states which would mean neither candidate gets to the 270 electoral college votes needed to win. That would throw the election to the House of Representatives. And once the presidential race is thrown to the House, the president is chosen on a state-by-state delegation vote, a vote that in the current House makeup, Republicans would win. And Trump 
would be the president, regardless of whether a majority of Americans or even a majority of the Electoral College chose him. Now, of course, a major factor in this scenario is having a full cadre of election deniers who continue to claim that Joe Biden is not the legitimate president and that the 2020 election results should never have been certified, which, of course, Trump and his congressional flunkies continue to claim. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, for instance, once normie Republican and now full-fledged MAGA, which also explains how she's the fourth-ranking House Republican, would not even commit to certifying the 2024 election results during an interview with NBC's Christian Welker. What about 2024? We will see if this is a legal and valid election. Just to be very clear, I don't hear you committed to certifying the election results. Will you only commit to certify the results if, if they're president constitutional, wins, if they, does that mean the is, former president Trump No, wins? it means if they are constitutional. What we saw in 2020 was unconstitutional circumventing of the of the Constitution. Medish and McCleary write in their piece that good faith can no longer be assumed. That is certainly the case. Before Mike Johnson became speaker, meaning before anyone knew who he was, the Louisiana congressman was a mouthpiece for wild conspiracy theories supporting the big lie. He then voted against certifying Biden's victory, even after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Mike Johnson isn't just an election-denying Republican speaker who could overturn a presidential election, as if that wasn't enough. He's a man with a two-seat majority who cannot pass a budget, but manages to secure enough Republican votes to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, simply because that is what Trump wants. He also has some intense Christian nationalist leanings. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. That's what I believe. Okay, so his worldview, his views stem from his, his take on the Bible. Not a big deal if you're a civilian or a regular voter, but quite the problem when you're House Speaker and relying on your particular interpretation of a religious book to determine public policy rather than, you know, I don't know, the Constitution. But also, Speaker Mike, what was that part in the Bible about treating the foreigner as one of your own? Per Politico, Johnson delivered a presentation last weekend at a Republican retreat in Florida, which came off more like a sermon, according to two people in the room. Johnson contended that when one doesn't have God in their life, the government or the state will become their guide, referring back to Bible verses. One of the sources there wasn't having it. I'm not at church, they said. Meaning Johnson is so far out there that even other Republicans are pushing back on the God talk. But this is why we need to be very concerned. Mike Johnson has the conviction, the motivation, and now the opportunity to steal the next election for Donald Trump. He is a far right wing evangelical Christian who suggested his election as House Speaker was ordained literally by God, even billing himself as a modern day Moses. So if God tells him to steal a few elections to make Trump president, what's he going to do? And then what happens if God tells him to make Trump president for life? Joining me now is Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell of California and Michael Waldman, president and CEO of the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU, law, at NYU School of Law and the author of The Supermajority, How the Supreme Court Divided America. Now, normally I would defer to the congressman first, but I'm going to apologize to Congressman Swalwell and come here to the table to Michael Waldman, because you wrote about this before. You have, you have talked through this scenario. Um, I think when, when folks saw that article in Newsweek, they thought that would never happen. Could that happen? Well, we have learned that we need to be 
imaginative about what could be done because things we never thought were possible happened in yeah. 2020 and before. Uh, and so we need to look at all these ways that, you know, in our country, unlike other democracies, there's no umpire who says, oh, yeah, this person won, that person won, neutral and respected. Right. It turns out to be this very slapdash system going back many years mm -hmm. where you can manipulate things. Now, there's good news. Even Mike Johnson, even this election denier who no one ever heard of, who's now the speaker, is constrained by this law that was passed uh, in the, at the end of the last Congress, the Electoral Count Reform Act. Mm -hmm. It is harder for him to try to throw the election in that way than it would have been a few years ago. That's the good news. The bad news is, is we have to be really vigilant. For example, the attacks on these things have actually moved to the states. Right. You now have election deniers who've sort of wormed their way into jobs running elections in local areas. Uh, now there's courts and there's laws and constitutions in the states that st have stopped that kind of stuff mm -hmm. up until now. But we need to be on our game, anybody who cares about democracy between now and uh, when the next president puts their hand on that Bible. Yeah, I mean, Congressman Swalwell, here's the challenge. <laughs> Pretty much everyone who is setting themselves up in their hope of being the next hang Mike Pence, which I don't know why anybody would want that job since Donald Trump did try to get the last guy killed. But they all want to be president. They all want to be vice president with him, right? Here's Byron Donalds talking about whether he would re would support rejecting the 2024 result if Trump doesn't win. I think Congress has a, has a responsibility within the electoral process to be that last constitutional check on what happened in states. If there are issues where states were av avoiding election procedures that were passed by the legislature, ignoring them out of hand, or if there was some clear subversion that was going on, members of Congress have a responsibility to speak to that. So he's not the only one who talks that way, Congressman Elise Stefanik. There's a reason Kirsten Welker asked her, are you saying you would refuse to certify the election unless Trump wins? She wouldn't answer. Ron DeSantis has said, well, Mike Pence did his duties. So we're not sure about him. Tim Scott would not answer the question. He wants to be vice president. Uh, Rivek Ramaswamy said, yeah, he would have certified, but Pence should have done some magical reforms. The others haven't really addressed it, but there are enough of them that are serving with you who said, mm, Joy, Republicans uh, don't any longer believe in uh, the ideas of freedom and democracy. Those are the ideas that America was founded upon. They don't believe in an idea anymore of America. They believe in an idol, and that idol is Donald Trump. And when you talk about Speaker Johnson's faith, his faith doesn't concern me. Uh, you know, every American has a you know choice to you know follow a god. Uh, or, or to not. Uh, but what should concern anyone of faith is that the first commandment uh, in the Christian faith uh, is to not follow any other gods, you know, to just mm -hmm. follow the Lord. And they have put everything uh, into helping Donald Trump. They've taken uh, our uh, house and turned it into a law firm. And, and the professor would probably appreciate that uh, the house is now the largest law firm in D.C. And they work every day for just one client. And, and it doesn't matter if that defies uh, freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. They have put that idol uh, above uh, the idea of democracy. Yeah, that is the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Um, idolatry is actually a sin. Uh, but I, to stay with you for a minute, for a moment, Congressman, has the Democratic caucus talked through what they would do if 
people like Byron Donalds, if people like Mike Johnson decide to challenge the to challenge the seating of members of Congress, Democrats who win elections. This is not it's not that this has never happened. There was the famous case of Senator Theodore Bilbo of Mississippi, who there was a whole hearing in the United States Senate as to whether he was going to be seated because of his, you know, there was some financial chicanery and there was some violent talk leading up to the election. This is in 1946. They, they questioned in 1947 whether they were going to seat him at all. Congress does make its own rules. Has the Democratic caucus talked through what they will do if Mike Johnson leads members of his caucus to not seat Democrats such that there are not enough votes to certify the election? Let's say Joe Biden wins. We're prepared, uh, Joy. And, and under leader uh, Jeffries, you know, he was at the leadership table. I was at the leadership table uh, in 2021 as Speaker Pelosi uh, worked with Jamie Raskin and Adam Schiff and Zoe Lofgren to prepare for the challenges that were coming. Uh, and we have, you know, at m- most of those uh, members will still be uh, in the House. Uh, so, we, you know, just as they have priors in challenging uh, the elections, we have prior experience. Uh, but just look at uh, two weeks ago when Tom Swazi wins in a blowout election on Long Island and asks to be seated and, and leader Jeffries asked to seat uh, Swazi that week as Republicans have seated their members in the past when they win uh, that week and they refuse to seat them. And, and, and that's because of the thin majority that they have. So we'll come back and I, I hope he's seated, but they've shown uh, that they will play fast and loose. Uh, if it benefits them. And, and Michael Walden, the, the norms are already busted. Mitch McConnell refused to allow the sitting president of the United States to fill the Supreme Court vacancy that, we, that it is his right under the Constitution to fill. The norms are dead. Republicans want that White House. They want the Senate and the House. They have a lot of ulterior motives for why. There's no reason why they wouldn't do. They've cheated before. Why not? And, and, and that every president had pre, been able to yeah. fill before. One of the things to note, is we have to always call out. There's a big lie in what those members of Congress are saying. Oh, the Constitution, oh, the state legislature, uh, they, they, they changed the voting rules in a way that was unconstitutional. This is because they let people vote for, with COVID. With they COVID. Used, let them, yeah. This U.S. Supreme Court last June, in an opinion, six to three, written by John Roberts, said, uh-uh, yeah. that's not unconstitutional. So every time they say that, they're lying. And, and they, just and to they let know the it. audience know what, what they mean by that, they're trying to say that because states allowed people to vote absentee, because there was a pandemic happening, right. they're claiming that that made the election illegitimate. The one thing that we all need to be pushing for and pushing for, and I think it is a hopeful sign, for the very first time in a long time, this issue, the health of American democracy, is now at the center of American politics. And it isn't just Democrats and progressives, but in the polls, independents and many Republicans care about what we care about, care about making sure that our democracy is not overtaken, that it works. And we're now hearing the Democrats talk about it. But what's really important is they need to act about it. Yes, They need to make sure that voting rights legislation and everything else is a top priority and that they do everything they can, including changing the filibuster rules to get it passed if they have the ability. That to me is the, the positive outcome coming out of all of this. There's a democracy movement now yeah. that's deep and wide and diverse that can take on the election denier movement. And that's the thing that gives me hope. And the thing is, I'm going to give you the last word on this, Congressman, because I am quite sure that most Americans do not want a king. Uh, they do not want Donald Trump to be the president for life. But there are some Republicans who wouldn't mind that. There's been a lot of, you know, MOS people sound people just walking down the street and asking. They're like, yeah, we take him as a king. We want him to be president for life. There are people who want it. There are some minority, but they want it. So there's a constituency for it. Is the is the Democratic House prepared to fight um I guess it's going to have to be to the last dog dies to make sure that this election 
as the American people vote for it, so it goes. This is a freedom election, uh, Joy, and, and Americans have to vote their freedoms, their freedom to vote, uh, their freedom of body, their freedom of what they read, their freedom to breathe clean air, their financial freedom. Uh, and, and as the professor, uh, you know, pointed out uh, that, you know, we have seen, you know, I, I would say a more aggressive posture, you know, to defend those freedoms. And, and the, the third branch of government where Democrats, I think, have been lousy at messaging on, you know, we've never in the past have talked about the importance of the Supreme Court just until recently. Uh, but through people like Mark Elias and Democracy Docket, the organization he runs, uh, we have gone to the courts, you know, to press our case. And, and that's why we, I think in 2020, uh, we were so successful is that we won in every single court uh, where Republicans challenged the results. And, and so that's going to be critically important. Uh, as we go into November. I hope so, because I still remember Bush v. Gore. When the Republicans on that court have an outcome they want, they kind of change some things. Starry decisis becomes a whole lot less magical. So we'll see if we can count on them. But scaring is caring, as we say on the show. So we want people to be prepared for what could happen. Congressman Eric Swalwell, Michael Waldman, thank you both very much. Up next on The Readout, an Alabama court ruling identifying embryos as children is generating fear and confusion for IVF families and for Republican politicians. The Readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Republicans right now are struggling to get their positions straight on IVF after the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos should be considered children and those who destroy them can be held liable for wrongful death. This ruling is just the latest post-Roe reality that has caused mass outrage and fear across the country. And Republicans are starting to realize that, you know, maybe forcing women to live in a Christian nationalist handmaid's tale hellscape isn't particularly good for their politics. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, who, let's just be honest, is maybe not the brightest senator, when asked about this yesterday, went from the ruling is good to wait, no, it's bad, to actually, I don't know how I feel, over the course of just three minutes. Do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children? Yeah, I was all for it. We need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But IVF is used to have more children. And right now, IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well, that's for, that's for another conversation. Senator, what do you say to the women right now in Alabama who no longer have access to IVF? Well, that's a hard one. It really is. It's really hard. Because, uh, again, you want people to have that opportunity. And, and that's what I was telling her. We need more kids. And, you know, I'd have to look at the entire bill of how it's written 
I have not seen it. Hmm. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the consequence of Republicans' own actions. Republicans championed getting rid of Roe for years. They wanted this reality. They just didn't want the political consequences that come with it. So don't let them fool you when they try to back away from it, because there are far right lawmakers at the state and federal level who want this kind of policy everywhere, not just in Alabama. Joining me now is Amanda Zaroski, lead plaintiff in the Texas abortion ban lawsuit, and Michelle Goldberg, New York Times columnist and MSNBC political analyst. Um, I'm going to turn to my journalist friend here, Michelle, and ask if you understand who the we is and who is the entity that needs more kids. Who's the we and why do they need more kids? Well, I think that there is a great deal of concern on the right about falling birth rates among some very specific populations, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, and this is true globally. And it's interesting to kind of hear him say that in the context of talking about the end of Roe versus Wade. Right. Because which populations? Because you're saying who's the we? Right. He well, I mean, I think I I think that this is obviously he's talking about white people, although I have a feeling if you confronted him front on it and he wasn't stumbling too much, he would say something like America. <laughs> OK, but yeah, but they also need more kids. But then when immigrant kids come, we don't have space and we don't need more kids when it's immigrant. We're going to figure that out. Um, let me go to you, Amanda, because you, you are in this situation of, of, of IVF using IVF really as a result of what was done to you physically by the inability to get an abortion, to have normal health care. And so this placed you in a position of needing to use IVF. What do you do now with the prospect that maybe Texas could follow Alabama and make it very difficult for you to use IVF? Well, you're exactly right. And the irony is not lost on me that the same people who support the bill um, and the laws and the bans that put my life at risk because I couldn't get an abortion when I needed one to save my life are now in the same camp of the folks who are saying that I shouldn't have the choice to use IVF and I shouldn't have the ability to um, make decisions over how and when I create a family. And um, the fear that a similar law or ruling or bill will, will come into effect in Texas is, is such, and it's so terrifying that my husband and I signed the paperwork today to get our embryos out of the state because I am so terrified of what will happen if if we're under the same situation that those poor folks in Alabama are in. And, and so, I mean, because the idea for you in using IVF, do you consider those embryos to already be living children? No, I hope that one day they will become children, but... With laws like this and rulings like this that are being passed, we might never even know because they're going to take away the opportunity for right. me to potentially implant them. Yeah. And, you know, Michelle, there, let, let me just give you a few examples here. These are these are recently backed bills that make the same argument as Alabama's 125 House Republicans, including mm-hmm. Speaker Mike Johnson. They've co-sponsored sponsored something called the Life at Conception Act, which states that the term human being includes all stages of life, including the moment of fertilization, cloning or other moment at which an individual member of the human species comes into being. It does not include an exception for IVF. The chair of the NRSC, Stephen, Senator Stephen Daines of Montana, co 
co-sponsored a bill in 2021 that claimed that homo sapiens born and unborn are entitled to the full protections of the 14th Amendment. Um, they, they all they're for it. They want right. to make it illegal everywhere. Well, I don't know if they actually do. I don't know if they actually want to make IVF illegal so much as they don't want to deal with the kind of actual consequences of their ideology and its contradictions. Right. Because you see them now rushing to distance themselves from something that was totally predictable and that pe- feminists and people who care about reproductive health have been screaming about for years. That right. this is once you, that kind of personhood impacts reproductive, you know, it impacts abortion. It also impacts fertility treatment and it impacts contraception. Right. And, you know, kind of everything people warned about, about a post-Roe America mm-hmm. that was considered hysterical beforehand, we're seeing it all come to pass. Yeah. And so you, what you see them doing now in um, Alabama, they're talking about changing the definition of personhood, not to conception, but begins at implantation, right? But I think it just shows you how cynical it is. And nobody, there are vanishingly few people who actually believe that an embryo or a blastocyst you is a human. Let's just be clear. You can't take a baby and freeze it. The baby would die. <laughs> well, not just the that. The fact you can freeze I it think, means it's right. not alive. I think all these people, you know, if they're in a burning building with one, and they can either save one baby or 10,000 embryos, right? Correct. We kind of, nobody really believes that these two are equivalent well, things. I'm not sure because there are Republicans who've talked about abortion and think that pregnancy happens in the stomach where a baby would be <laughs> digested. I mean, and they've legitimately said in the stomach, they don't seem to understand. Well, the human you can body. see with Tommy Tuberville, right, that he has really not thought about this. I yeah. mean, I, I, I would assume that he knows in the abstract how babies are made, but the actual details of yeah. it um, yeah. and which is just what's so astonishing is that that has not stopped them in the slightest from passing these sweeping laws with such profound consequences for yeah. people's lives and health. I'm going to give you the last word on this, Amanda. Among women, you know, in Texas. At what point does this become a voting issue? Because we have been seeing in conservative states like Texas and Alabama, there not be a reaction to vote out people like the Tommy Tubervilles and these elected officials who are condemning women to health challenges, to maybe losing their lives. At what point is there going to be a reaction electorally, in your view? It absolutely is already a voting issue. And something that I think a lot of people don't know is it's not just our senators and our local elected officials. It's also our Supreme Court justices in Texas. And had we had a very similar suit in Texas, if and when we do have a very similar suit in Texas, I think we would have almost an identical ruling. And our Supreme Court is elected And as a matter of fact, three of them are up for re-election this year. And so it already is a voting issue. And I hope people realize that because this is an issue that wins elections. We know that. And we need people to come out and we need people to vote on this. Vote specifically on this. Right. Elections matter. A lot of these states have elected Supreme Courts, y'all. Pay attention. Vote accordingly, according to saving your own life and your own health. Amanda Zorowski, Michelle Goldberg, thank Thank you you both very much. Still ahead, the Biden administration announces hundreds of new sanctions targeting Russians associated with the death of Alexei Navalny. While the MAGA crowd doesn't seem much interested in punishing Putin. Stay with us. This morning, the United States dropped more than 500 new sanctions on Russia, the largest single tranche of sanctions since their invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, 2022. The sanctions targeted Russia's payment system, financial institutions, and its military industrial base, sanctions evasion, future energy production, and other areas. 
These sanctions come at the same time as the announcement of a series of new arrests and indictments by the Justice Department targeting Russian businessmen who helped Russia evade sanctions. The DOJ has seized more than $700 million in assets and have been able to send $5 million of that to Europe in support of Ukraine's defense, defense that is currently stalled in the United States Congress because the MAGA party has refused to do anything to fight Putin's invasion of a free country. Today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and four other Senate Democrats were in Ukraine meeting with President Zelensky to reassure Ukrainians of continued U.S. support. Meanwhile, Republicans are busy celebrating autocracy, insurrectionists and sexual assaulters. What they aren't doing is slamming Russia. I really could care less about Russia. I really could care less about Putin. I honestly am not interested in that discussion. We're the one that forced this war because we kept forcing NATO on Ukraine. I hadn't voted for any money to go to Ukraine because I know they can't win. Uh, they don't, you know, you, you hate that they've had three or 400,000 people killed, so Russians also. You hate that we supported this. We shouldn't have any foreign aid to any other country without corresponding cuts to our own bloated federal budget. While Republicans may not care about Russia, maybe they should, given that a number of American citizens are currently detained there under false pretenses. The latest being ballerina Ksenia Karolina, who is a dual Russian-American citizen and was arrested for treason because she gave a small donation in support of Ukraine. They are alive. Alexei Navalny is not as lucky. His mother was finally granted access to her son's body, but she is being threatened by Russian officials. They are demanding that she agree to a secret funeral before they release his body. Her punishment, if she does not agree, that they will simply let her son's body rot. Joining me now is Masha Gessen, staff writer for The New Yorker. Masha, it is, it is good to see you. Thank you for being here. Let's start where I ended. Um, this attempt to force a secret burial of Alexei Navalny, it's obvious why they wouldn't want his burial uh, funeral to become a cause celeb. But uh, what do you make of that demand of his mom? Presumably there are two things going on. One is they are genuinely afraid of protest. Um, uh, and I think that wherever there was a public funeral of Alexei Navalny, even if it were to happen in the far north, I think there would be a huge outpouring um, of, 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 of people's grief and protest, which is something that Putin is irrationally afraid of. And I say irrationally because it doesn't threaten his power, but, but he believes that it does. And I think the other thing that is extremely likely is that they don't want uh, the family to have access to the body because the body still has traces of whatever they used to kill him. Most likely another chemical weapon, which is something that we know was also used against Navalny in August 2020 when he miraculously survived an assassination attempt. You know, what? It, what is sort of remarkable is that after, you know, this seemingly endless war in Ukraine that it felt for a while like it was depleting Russia. Um, they can't defeat Ukraine. Ukraine's spirit is too strong and they are too unwilling to be absorbed. Um, and yet Putin seems revived. He seems um, at quite peace. He doesn't seem to be destabilized at all. It, it, am I reading that wrong? He seems to be laughing off the sanctions and everything else and the losses. You're absolutely right. Um, and I don't know that we can say with certainty. Uh, in fact, I know we can't say with certainty that Russia can't defeat Ukraine. Unfortunately, Russia 
could defeat Ukraine. Ukraine is running out of people, Ukraine uh, people who can, who can fight. Yeah. Ukraine is running out of ammunition. Ukraine has run out of aid. Um, and part of the of the blame for that is uh, lies squarely with the Biden administration, with the United States. And I say with the Biden administration, because before Republicans in Congress had the, num- uh, the, the, uh, the numbers to defeat aid packages, the aid was constantly insufficient. There was this buzzword, we're trying to avoid escalation. And basically what that meant was that for the first uh, year and a bit before we had a Republican House, uh, the United States was giving Ukraine insufficient aid and watching as more and more Ukrainians died when there was a window of opportunity for Ukraine to get the upper hand in that war. And what happens now? Do the sanctions make any difference? $500 million in new sanctions? Does it make any difference at this stage? Uh, You know, I don't even know at this point what the theory of change is behind the sanctions. Mm -hmm. For many, many years, uh, U.S. policy was that sanctions would be imposed gradually so that Putin would understand that the United States was, was serious and would back down. Another theory of change was that uh, it would immiserate Russians so much that they would rebel against Putin. Now, both of those uh, of those theories are crazy, right? They're wrong. This isn't going to happen. Putin is not going to back down and Russians are not going to rebel. People who are immiserated are too busy struggling to survive to bring down their government. We know this. We've watched Russia and we've watched politics and watched people for long enough, right? So, what is the point of sanctions? To show that the United States is doing something, but it's really acting like a crazy person who keeps trying to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. The result is going to be the same. Putin does feel emboldened. Uh, Russia has been extremely adept at finding ways around sanctions, including finding ways to import um, military technology or dual-use technology through third countries and using it in its own production of drones, which are making all the difference and disadvantaging Ukraine at the front lines. Uh, It is a sad situation, a terrifying situation. And one would hope that Alexei Navalny's death uh, is not in vain. Uh, Let's just hope and pray that something changes. Um, It's it's terrible stuff. But I appreciate you always the opportunity to talk with you, Masha Gessen. Thank you very much. Up next, looking ahead to tomorrow's potentially pivotal Republican primary in Nikki Haley's home state of South Carolina and much more with my political panel. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's Chris Hayes. This week on my podcast, Why Is This Happening? We're back with another installment of our special series with Pod 2024, The Stakes. I'm talking to experts about both Joe Biden and Donald Trump's records on specific policy areas during their time as president. This week, a biggie. AbortionEveryday.com founder Jess Valenti on the stakes of reproductive rights. Conservatives, Republicans would like us to believe that this is something that voters are sort of super polarized on, that we're evenly split down the middle. And that's just not true. Voters want abortion to be legal, even in red states, even in purple states. That's why we're seeing attacks on democracy. That's this week on Why Is This Happening? Search for Why Is This Happening wherever you're listening right now and follow. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs, streaming, game console, console, smart thermostat, set for cuddle time, doorbell camera, 
Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. And the voices of famed evangelical people and evangelists, uh, evangelists like the late, great Pat Robertson. But uh, I did it, and Israel, therefore, became the capital. We're going to end the so-called Department of Education. We might have one desk, one person, just to make sure everyone's speaking English. You heard the J6 hostages. You saw the spirit, the spirit that these people have. They have tremendous spirit. Is he okay? Even by Donald Trump's standards, his speech last night to a group of Christian broadcasters was especially incoherent and low energy, with Trump slurring his words and sounding confused and just odd. It comes as South Carolina's Republican primary is set to take place tomorrow. And by all indications, the aforementioned incoherent person will walk away with the 50 delegates, all of them, in the winner-take-all state, which is also the home turf of former Governor Nikki Haley. Joining me now is Dean Obadala, host of The Dean Obadala Show on SiriusXM, and Susan Del Percio, Republican strategist and MSNBC political analyst. Dean, if Joe Biden sounded like that, mm-hmm. there would be a one-week news cycle on him sounding doddering and like he wasn't okay. This, everyone should see this. He also said things about like, they're coming over the border. And then he said, on the snake kill, snake, rattlesnake, it's just word association. You're watching the yeah. work of someone grappling with reality. And his I think- brain that, don't work good. Well, I don't know. Listen, I think that's why his donations are drying up because while the MAGA base loves it, look, in the third quarter of last year, he raised 25 million. Last quarter, he raised 19 million. You shouldn't be going down as we get close to the election day. It's got, he had only a few hundred people at his rally in Michigan yeah. over the weekend. He's losing it. He's not as strong as he was mentally, yeah. physically, or even politically. All the polling tells us it's closer than this. I think Donald Trump's in big trouble. I mean, and, and, and yet, he's going to walk away with it in South Carolina. Why? Because he's been invested with he has worked the grassroots of the Republican Party since he was elected president. Before he was even sworn in, he met with state party leadership. They he flew him down to, you know, Mar-a-Lago. Wine and dined him. Yeah. Wine and dined him. And guess what? Those and those folks put only MAGA people in their state parties. So that's what's been developing. And that's how come things don't get done, because if you don't have the if you don't have the grassroots behind you, you can't make you can't come up from behind. Let let me ask you this, because I I experienced this when I covered the the, the flag coming down in South Carolina. The good old boys in South Carolina really never liked Nikki Haley, did they? Like they've got issues with her. Right. Well, she beat them. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she's got some issues with the good old boys that don't like her anyway. If you really want to understand South Carolina, you have to look at Lindsey Graham. Yeah. If you remember early on, Lindsey Graham was not a fan of Trump. But when he started seeing his primary numbers yeah. tanking is when everything turned around. And guess what? His primary numbers, he went from down 20 to up 20. Let's talk about on the, on the other side, Biden. Because Biden, if, if Trump has a problem with his brain not maybe working so good, mm-hmm. Biden's got a problem in Michigan. Let me show you, Yasmin, the great Yasmin Vesuvian, our wonderful reporter, she did a roundtable with young voters, which I found really fascinating. Here's the first part of it. And this is, raise your hand if you voted for Biden. Take a look. Raise of hands. Who voted for Joe Biden? And who was voting uncommitted in the primary? Who's undecided in the general election? 
Let me play one more clip. Let me play one more clip. This is, it got even more bit problematic. Here they are talking about Biden's path forward. Here's two voters. Is there a pathway forward for you with Biden? Oh, absolutely not. You cannot keep killing people with our money and just keep thinking that, oh, we are stupid enough to elect you again because we'll fall in line. We'll forget. How can you, how can, like, this is an insult to me as a voter. For you, Biden has a pathway forward. Biden has a pathway forward. And it's not And what saying, does that look like? That is him calling for a permanent and immediate ceasefire. The straightforward, simple answer for the Biden administration is push for a ceasefire, stop aiding Israel in their war crimes, and I guarantee you there are enough people who would be willing to deal with it and vote for the man. Michigan comes up next week primary. How much how problematic is Michigan for Biden? I think we're going to find out Tuesday how many people vote uncommitted the yeah. way the way that Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman from there, wants people to. I hope people do send a message to Biden that and you, what you hear in that interview and many when I speak to young Muslim Americans, the word betrayal. Betrayal is a a strong emotion. And what they mean by that is we work to elect you. We knocked on doors. We made calls for you. And now you turn your back on us when we're watching not a political issue, but a human issue. People in our family, people we know are getting killed in Gaza with our armaments. Senator Chris Van Hollen on the floor of the Senate said it's textbook war crimes. Senator Bernie Sanders says we are complicit. And Biden will not criticize Netanyahu, will not put any conditions on military aid, despite we're seeing a grotesque loss of life. Ten times more children have died. Ten times more children have died in Gaza in three months than in the Ukraine in two years. Yeah. That's not because Putin doesn't have the military armament to slaughter more children. Even the barbaric Putin hasn't done what Putin, what Netanyahu has done in Gaza. So this is a very personal issue. Yeah. And there is a path to that one young man to the right. Yeah. There's a chance. And the, the, I mean, the, there's been a change in rhetoric, definitely, from the White House. Sure. Do people feel like it's enough to change the rhetoric or to condemn the settlements and that kind of thing? I don't think it is when you see what's going on in Gaza. Yeah. Once we get to a ceasefire, if you rebuild Gaza, yeah. really champion a Palestinian state and equality yeah. for Palestinians, maybe— He almost needs to solve the Middle East, the, the, the most intractable <laughs> Middle East peace problem in the world and get a, a Palestinian state in order to, to get back in good graces. Let's talk really quickly about Wayne LaPierre. Uh, yes. Big settlement today. Uh, another win for Letitia James. Uh, he's been found that he diverted millions of dollars away from the NRA to live luxuriously. Does it have an impact? Because— does it change his, his power? Well, what happens is it changes the power and influence of the NRA because they basically, you know, politicians bow to them on the, on the right. Yeah. So the question is, is A, can they still raise money? Can they operate as an organization? Why would you give him money? He's just <laughs> well, going to go on trips like, well, why would you like give Clarence Donald Thomas. Trump money if he's just going to spend it on legal is fees? Oh, Clarence <laughs> Thomas. Dean and Susan are going to stick around because up next we're going to play our favorite game. You know what it is. Who won the week is next. Well, folks, he made it to the end of another week, thank God, which means it's time to play our favorite game. I asked who won the week. Back with me, our Dean Obadala and Susan Del Percio. Susan Del Percio, ladies first, who won the week? Wisconsinites. And they won it because Governor Evers was able to sign new maps into law. Yes, that's right. For the legislative district. And he was... he didn't just, he wasn't greedy like the Republicans were right. greedy. There were They're fair, fair. They're my fair lines. Democracy so. won in Wisconsin. That's a good choice. Dean Obadala, who won the week? I would pick you because your book was number one on the <laughs> yes. New York Times bestseller. <laughs> Medgar and get it now. But I'm going to go with someone who could win it every week, Beyonce. Ah. The first 
black woman to ever be number one on the country charts. And they try to deny her. Oklahoma didn't want to play her since she's in Oklahoma. Like, we're not playing it. Like, they got to play it. Now it's number one, first time in the history of the the country music charts ever, a black woman number one. The thing that is so hilarious about it was John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazzard. They tried to mainstream the Confederate flag back in the day. He's trying to say she's not a country artist. He's from New York. Beyonce's from Texas. She's more country music than you, man. Don't talk about her. Yes, chart and country music and take it over. Okay, my choice for who won the week. I've got a tape to go along with it. Here we go. Roll them. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court. And we will ask the judge to seize his assets. Someone once told me, if you want something done, give it to a woman. Letitia Aloysius Fonnie Willis James. That is going to be what I am calling her because Letitia James, she said, run me my money, Donald. Give me the money. And if you don't give me the money, give me your properties. Women, black women, black women are taking Trump down, mm-hmm. Dean. I and I love the fact that she is essentially saying, I'm going to enforce some accountability on this man who has not been held accountable his ever. whole <laughs> life, ever. She said accountability comes today. Take his buildings. 40 Wall Street, Trump Tower. Take his buildings. Take them all. Dino Badala, Susan Delpercio, that's tonight's readout. Thank you very much. When news breaks, go beyond the headlines with the new MSNBC app. New developments in the legal drama surrounding former President Donald Trump. Get real-time analysis from live blogs to in-depth essays, video highlights from your favorite shows and hosts. Lots of news of all kinds going on right now. And the latest updates on the 2024 election. The rematch is on. It's Trump-Biden part two. Go beyond the what to understand the why. Download the app now at msnbc.com slash app.